All right, Gavin, am I on? Awesome. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's, it's super fun to be back and see a bunch of familiar faces. And oh, the last time um, I, was, I was here with Jeff and his family, it was, oh, it was close to a year ago, eh? And uh, <clears throat> we had fun. It's been uh, like a fabulous weekend. We're really good friends with Jeff and Crystal, and we really esteem them highly. And I uh, think they're, they're just fun stuff, and our kids get along really great. So, yeah, it's not bad. Like, when I introduce Jeff to people, I'm like, hey, this is Jeff. He's, hmm. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm, it's just fun. The gospel is amazing. And it is it's the power of God unto salvation because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, right? Like it's not just, it's not just sin management. It's a transformed life. And that's just, it's a good, it's a good word. (laughs) And it's not even mine. It's his. (laughs) And, And it's, it has the capacity to actually transform us into his very image. And it does like present state, not just when we, we die and one day are with him in glory. It's right now that we're actually in and alive in and through him. But before I, I told Jeff, I had to make a, because I do really silly jokes. And my wife right now is going to be like, oh, no. Um, but I, 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 I think I told a really bad joke last time. Laura, you might. Did, yeah? <laughs> Okay, do you, do you remember which one it was? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, okay, awesome. It, was, yeah, it became part of the, the River of Life tradition. <laughs> um, it's funny, I usually tell like a really, really bad joke um, just to help like loosen myself up, but like with you guys, I don't feel like I need to, but I will just for your own enjoyment. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah. Amen. Amen. No. Um, so there was two muffins in the oven, and uh, one muffin turned to the other and said, "Man, it's hot in here." And the other muffin said, "Ah, a talking muffin." <laughs> awesome. We should pray now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Too late. It's gone. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for your love, and oh yeah, you can't even pray after this, so <laughs> amen. <laughs> Sorry? This? Yeah, they're, they're really in-depth. <laughs> oh, man. So, so recently, uh, Melissa and I, uh, I I'm going to share this story with just a little bit, uh, you'll have to excuse me for the, some of the vagueness of the details. The story is just, um, it's a little close for me to share all the specifics in, but um, what God did was amazing. And I want to I share it because as believers, we... We tend to have this understanding that God, we've been baptized into Christ and actually he's actually imparted this like status quo spirit to us when it's not the case at all. When actually we're baptized and his spirit comes and make its home, it's him. 
Like the goal of the gospel is actually that the nature and character and purity and brilliance and kindness and freedom of God actually comes and possesses us. So we actually are a whole new creation. So when you wake up in the morning, you're not trying to become a Christian. You're not trying to stay away from certain things. You actually wake up as a new person in Christ who's been bought by the preciousness of his blood and his body. Where Hebrews actually says his body is a veil that we enter to. It actually says like he inaugurated a new and living way through his flesh, which is his body. So it's actually like, when, and I love celebrating, I'll get to the story in a minute, but I love celebrating communion because communion is actually, like we often take it in the way, and I think we should in that way where we need to be conscious of like, is there anything before you and between me and you, God? Like, is there anything that you're touching on and need, need to speak to me about? But I also love, like um, my wife and I, we, have, we celebrate communion with our kids uh, fairly regularly. Sometimes it's with like juice and bread. Other times it's with lemon squares and muffins or pop or whatever, right? So we have three boys and we're like, we're going to do communion after dinner. And they're like, awesome. Because <laughs> it usually means like they get a piece of chocolate or so we have this just fun family tradition of celebrating communion because we remember that the blood of Jesus is for the forgiveness and remission of sin. And the body of Jesus removes the effect of sin. So, all right. I will. <laughs> yeah, so the blood of Jesus is the forgiveness. Like it's, it forgives the act and removes sin, but the body removes the effects of sin. So that like the beauty of that is like when we take it and we celebrate, we see Jesus who was crucified and his, he wore the crown of thorns and now we've been given the mind of Christ. He actually, by his stripes, were healed. It actually means it's, it's not just the, the it, he, only, he doesn't just present us as like half-formed new creations. He actually purchased for us a whole new way of life in which we become God-influenced, God-living, breathing people who are united with him perfectly right now, right? So when you see his hands actually out on the cross crucified, it says like, uh, it says this in Hebrews 10 that he was crucified to do your will, right? So if you, if you were to read Hebrews 10 and about halfway through the chapter, it says that to do your will, O God. So his members, his hands and his feet were pierced so that our hands and feet would be freed. And it becomes this deeply intimate thing in which you're taking the body, the bread, and you're actually going, thank you, Father, that you've now given, your heart was pierced, your body was pierced, and now there was, your heart was actually ripped and torn so that I would have a new heart. And from it, rivers of living water would flow. And you wore a crown of thorns so that old way of thinking Old ways, whether it's, it's sinful behavior, habits, nature, actually is removed and reformed, transformed into the very image of Jesus. That is the goal and the destiny and the, the purpose of the gospel, is to make us 
him. In which we see him with an unveiled face, face to face, eye to eye. The whole point was to remove sin so that we would actually stand in the place that Adam and Eve once did. And guys, guess what? That's for right now. It's right now. Like it's it's today. It, it, like it means oh, it means something. Because it's it's the transformation of life in which like the old Adam and Eve and the old the prophets and the fathers of old are not the high water mark anymore. And talks about in Hebrews 11 that they, apart from us, never saw what they had been promised. They lived in faith, but we, it says, God promised us something better. And what they were longing for, praying for, stewarding in their own hearts is that the prophets prophesied about the future days to come. Right, And then the kingdom starting with David, Saul, and then David and Solomon and forward on, starting with, actually before that, with Samuel, and they ushered in this huge kingdom age. They're all pictures of Christ and then Christ's people. We are the substance and living in the substance of what they were longing for. Amen. Come on, that's just a good word. So I'll get to this, this story. So this happened to a man. Uh, Melissa and I know him relatively well. And uh, he, he's, a, he's actually a Mennonite fellow too. And uh, goes to an MCC church. And he, um, his wife actually was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's. And so as her faculty started to go, he was out one day. And he was uh, driving his lawn tractor, cutting the grass, and, he's, and he was telling us, and he's like, now I usually don't pray when I cut the grass. And uh, he, he's an older fellow. He's, um, he's in his late 80s now. And he's like, I usually don't... <laughs> but he's like, I usually don't... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's cutting the grass, and this is, uh, so his, his wife actually had Alzheimer's um, for 15 years. And all the time, some different people he knew were encouraging him, hey, maybe you should consider, um, you know, putting your wife in, a spe- like in, in some kind of home to be cared for. And the whole time he was like, no, it's okay, I can take care of her. The close people to his life were, would say, and say to each other, I don't, know how, I don't know how he's doing it. He's never been a particularly patient man. How is he capable to take care of his wife like this, day in and day out? And after 15 years, she went home to be with the Lord. And now he's telling us the story where 15 years previous, he's driving the lawn tractor and he says, I usually don't pray, but I was praying. And he said, Lord, I'm not patient and I need to take care of my wife. So you need to fill me. You need to help me. And he said, and and immediately, he said he's never had an encounter, an experience like this before. He said he felt arms wrap around him on the lawn tractor. And he said, and I was filled. 
And he was capable to take care of his wife for the remaining 15 years of her life, day in and day out. And in that moment, Jesus himself, he didn't just wave a hand and say, now you have this virtue of patience. He actually came and imparted his very nature into this man. That's who you and I are that the very character and nature of God is now displayed through us. It's good, eh? And it's the, the, the best part about that is it's honestly not just my sermon today. It's the word of God. That is made flat, that was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, but now he's, we are his body filling every place. Right? And um, he, or, uh, Ephesians 3 actually says that his wisdom is made manifest through his church to all the spiritual rulers and powers and authorities. Come on. <laughs> That's just fun. If you would turn with me, let's go. Hmm. I have a couple scriptures here. Let's go to Matthew, or yeah, Matthew uh, 17. If you want, we'll go to the Transfiguration. So just the beginning of the chapter. So I'll start reading. Uh, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. When he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, They fell down on the ground and were terrified. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Honestly, it it was fun when we were uh, praying before the service began. Uh, it was just fun. Uh, a couple of you were like, you don't have to perform today. And that's just, it's, that's good news. Because honestly, all I want to share today is the simple, the simple truth that the new covenant actually makes you a new person. Hmm. That's honestly it. And that 
what he paid for by his blood and his body. I use this word, and I understand it's, the word I will use, I understand it's, it's, a, it's a bit charged in our culture, um, but I want to use it in a way, in an appropriate way. But the gospel was not a miscarriage. It actually has the power to transform you, current state, to share his righteousness. You've become righteous and actually share his holiness. That it's normal for you to hear his voice. It's normal for you to experience his presence, to actually hear his counsel, whether it's whether it's praying for a new job, whether it's praying because there's, he's touching on something in your heart to see miracles, the Christ life now is lived and exhibited through you. It is actually the power unto salvation in which the right, like Romans 1 says this, in which the righteousness of God is revealed. So we've been invited to actually live in the rightness of God in the way we think, in the way our heart is. We've actually been given a brand new heart that's full of joy and full of purity and right intent. And we stand before him as blameless, holy, and without reproach. That means when you go home and you get alone with him, he'll be there. The gospel is, I can go to my room alone and have intimacy with my father every time. Every time. And I would say there's never been a time where I've been alone with God and not once have I ever not met him. Every time, because his word actually says when I pray, he'll be there. So either I'm crazy (laughs) or the word of God is true. And so in that place, face-to-face intimacy happens with him. And that's why I, I read from uh, Matthew 17, and it's, it's this beautiful, and I, and I would say it's even this prophetic picture of what Jesus was painting for us, as what the, or actually painting of what the new covenant would look like. And there's Peter and James and John up there, and all of a sudden you have the Christ, you have Elijah, and you have Moses representing the law and the prophets. And how Hebrews says that the law could never, it could not make anything perfect. And so they're like, Lord, if you want us to, we'll make three tabernacles, one for you and one for the other two guys. And, he's, and all of a sudden, this cloud forms. And the glory of God, and then the Father's voice said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And the answer of heaven for all what the law and the prophets could never do was Jesus Christ. Capable to transform any any one of us into his very nature and image. And the first thing they do is they fall and they close their eyes. And the first thing Jesus does is he touches them. Because in the gospel, intimacy between us, so you, and the Father has been redeemed and restored. 
And he reaches out and he touches them. And he says, stand up. Do not be afraid. And with his death and resurrection, he declares us righteous. And the fruit of righteousness is confidence and boldness before God. What's been provided for you because of what he did in that restored intimacy, the restored relationship between you and God is that you actually have become right now a dangerous, dangerous Christian. When you pray, come on, things happen. And if you start to see yourself valued beyond all else that the son of God would actually look down from heaven before he came and said, I'm going to go give myself for them. And it's a good deal. If you see yourself, when you look in the mirror, when those days, even when those thoughts come that say, you're not, what you're not, you're not good enough failure, whatever the enemy or just random thoughts might speak over you. The truth is that you are valued and actually have access to God. And no one can take that from you. You've been recreated into his very presence in which you stand unashamed. And the substance of your life actually bears witness of the greatness of who he is every place you go. All of heaven agrees with you that you are important, that you are worth the blood, that the blood actually speaks better things about your life than the blood of Abel. It actually speaks mercy and triumph and glory and power and service and sonship and daughtership and righteousness every ounce and drop of his blood actually speaks of your potential in him. That when you pray and when you act and when you serve, he actually manifests. Recently, um, about half a year ago, um, yeah, I'll I'll share with you this story. Uh, And I share this as in, I love, like, I love any chance I can get getting my, my hands on people to pray for them, right? Just because I love when, I, when someone experiences the tangible presence of God, whether that's in healing, a prophetic word, whether it's honestly just a hug, right? In, in my understanding of the gospel, there's, I try not to make room for an understanding that some miracles are greater than the other. I think it's all Jesus, and therefore it, it deserves my reverence. So I always share the story when I, when I share stories of, of healing or miracles, I, all, I often share another story of a friend of ours named Jasmine who loves to do our dishes. Whenever she comes over, uh, just a really cool girl, and she'll, yeah, she shows up, and if we have dirty dishes, she always ends up doing them in some way because she has a spiritual gift of, of helps and service. And at first I was like, this is cool. Jasmine's doing my dishes. Awesome, because <laughs> we have three kids and there's a lot of dishes. And then I recognized it the one day and I was like, this is not just Jasmine. It's him. 
It's beautiful to keep your heart in a soft place, right? So whether it's a Sunday school teacher serving some of your kids, serving my kids right now, or whether in any way revere the person of Jesus in your brothers and sisters. So this, I'll I'll tell this story because I'm convinced that a Christian is meant to be dangerous. So about half a year ago, we always, uh, we would go partner with this, uh, this country music festival called Boots and Hearts. So I'm not a country guy. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> I figure God loves people so much that he will manifest his presence at a, a country music festival. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh no, Scott's like, no, no. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's honestly quite humorous because we're invited backstage and we've met a bunch of the stars and I honestly have no idea who they are. So it's kind of fun. They're like, oh, so who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Adam. Who are you? And they're like, I'm blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you play music? <laughs> and they're, yep. So it's, it provides some really humorous moments. Um, but we go on the Sunday morning, the actual uh, organizers of the event, um, they actually run this thing. They, they have a gospel brunch. So they invite the Christian artists to come up and play worship and gospel music. And then they have one of them actually share a testimony of Jesus with seven to 10,000 people. And then we bring in a team of volunteers and pancakes are made and um, people show up and, and get a free brunch. And yeah, hear about Jesus in an environment that is not very Jesus-like. But the beautiful thing is, he comes to take hold and possess you so that darkness no longer threatens or frightens you. And I'd say, and I love sharing these stories at an environment like this because all of creation is longing for you to manifest Jesus. In fact, even when troubles and trials come to thump you and challenge you, all of creation is longing for you to manifest him. When a trial or something comes to to shake you, to, to throw you off, it is such an opportunity for you to say, to manifest the nature and character of God right there. Even when it, it feels like we can, even when it feels like the, the simplest prayer is, is barely enough that you can get out because you're right now established in holiness and truth by the blood and by the body of Jesus, and that cannot be taken away. So we're at this environment, we're, we're praying for people, and we go, we, take, we took about a team of 30 there, we went with the whole intent just to go love people and pray for them and to share Jesus with them. So we had, it was just fun, because you've got people who are very inebriated on whether alcohol, drugs, whatever, and Jesus is there loving them. We, when you, we would love people in truth, just like, like Denise does. You notice that Denise loves to look people in the eye. So we just love people. We'd look at them and just speak truth to them. They'd be drunk, stumbling, and we'd just say, man, I want to tell you, God loves you. He's got a purpose for you. He thinks you're amazing. You're the will of God. He wants to give you an entire new life in which you live with purpose and joy and celebration. You know exactly why you're alive. And we would see people in front of our very eyes sober up. 
and we'd see, seen dozens of people healed. And the beautiful thing, we, we came to this one night, uh, and there's a group of us who were walking, and all of a sudden, this girl yells out to us, and she says, hey, she's like, do you guys have any Tums? And we responded, silver and gold I have not, but what I have for you. <laughs> but I thought it would be a good one. Um, but we said, no, we don't, we don't have any Tums, but we have something better. She said, what's that? I said, Jesus, let us pray for you. And she's like, oh. <laughs> so we're like, no, no, for real. So we go over, walk over, and there's about six of them sitting down on the ground. And at least four of them are very inebriated, very drunk. And uh, we're like, seriously, we would love to pray for you. Would you, would you give us the honor just to do that for, with you today? Like, it's not weird. You don't have to do anything. We'll pray, right? It doesn't matter even if you don't believe us. We're the believers. So we're going to pray and do Jesus stuff, right? So she's like, oh, I don't know. But one of the other girls is sitting there and she's like, oh, I have a sore throat. I'll take prayer. So one of our team members says, sure. So just put a hand on her shoulder, prayed, and the pain in her throat stopped. <clears throat> Jesus loves people. Yes. So this girl with the stomach ache is like, huh, okay, you can pray for me. So we prayed for her, and whatever was ailing her stomach stopped. And so there's this other girl, and she's just sitting there, and she's like very drunk. I need Jesus. He sounds amazing. And we're like, yeah. So we're joking. You know how you hear those stories, like someone gets inebriated, wakes up with a bad tattoo or something else? We were joking, like, these guys probably woke up born again and, like, no idea how. Like, wow, last night I got, like, I'm hearing this carpenter's voice in my head now. Like, this is, this is weird. So we pray for her, but then there's this young man, um, I think he said he was around 22, and he, he's sitting there, and we're, I'm talking to him, I'm like, I, I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he looks at me and he says, God doesn't love me. Tell me why. Well, I was in a, in a car accident, and my leg was crushed, and I've had reconstructed constructive surgery on it. And I'm like, okay, well... I'd love to pray for you. He's like, won't work. God doesn't love me. And this thing's really affected my life. I used to be into sports and I just cannot do sports the way I used to. Okay, well, let me pray. And at this point, he said a whole bunch of things that I will not repeat here. Um, but it doesn't matter because the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And the blood of Jesus that is spoken over his life is Mercy and love, and wholeness. And this man, whether he knew it or not, is waiting because he's part of creation. The human heart is waiting for someone to actually step into what Jesus purchased and do the things Jesus did. So I said, I'm going to pray for you. So I put my hand on his knee and he said, you're for real. And I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I asked him, what pain levels did that add? Out of one in 10? And he's said, oh, it's, it's a constant six. Okay, so I prayed, and nothing happened. Nothing. I'm like, did you sense anything? Did pain decrease at all? He's like, nope, it's the same. 
So he, he said, well, feel it. So I put my hand on his knee and he started to move it. And you could feel all like the bone spurs and the metal pins. And it was pretty, uh, I'm pretty squeamish. So it was pretty gross. Um, so he starts moving. And so I'm like, let me pray again. So I prayed, nothing happened. So I asked him if I could pray a third time. And I prayed, nothing happened. At that point, he started to go, oh, man, like, never mind. Just, it's not going to work. God doesn't love me. That's the end of it. And all I could see in my heart and in my mind was that Jesus paid enough for that man. If you let his love for people, whether it's Jasmine doing my dishes or the man who's drunk or whoever, fill your heart you, the gospel actually empowers you to think and act like him. So I looked at him and said, man, God loves you, period. He's like, I don't believe that. So now we're standing up. He's beside me. These girls who'd been healed are talking to the rest of the team. They're kind of explaining some spiritual things about Jesus. And uh, he's standing there and he's holding two drinks. And he's talking and kind of making fun of us. And all of a sudden he looks down and he says, I'm new. I'm like, sorry, excuse me, what was that? And he said, I'm new. And he hands his drinks to one of our Youth for Christ volunteers. <laughs> who's like, huh, <laughs> he's holding these drinks now. So guy, this man felt God's presence come on him and heal his knee. And he starts moving it and he's like, I'm new. God healed my knee. I'm like, we'll test it out. So he's like, okay. So he came up right behind me and actually lifted me up onto his shoulders and started doing squats. (laughs) I've never, like, this is like only at a country music festival, right? Like, this doesn't happen if you're just like, or I haven't had it happen when you're just like in your community or in your grocery store and you're praying for people or trying to love or share a little seed of the gospel, right? But it was just this like crazy moment where he's like, yeah, look, and he's holding, and I'm 180 pounds. So he's lifting me on his bad knee and he starts yelling to everyone in the vicinity, God just healed my leg. God just healed my leg. So we're like, well, we might as well share about Jesus from on this guy's shoulders. <laughs> So we're, so the team, a couple of our team was like standing because they're like, oh no, Adam's going to fall. So they're like spotting, we're walking. I'm up there and I see these people. I'm like, hey, everyone, God just healed this guy's leg. He loves you. He gave his son's body and his blood to make you amazing. And they're all like, huh? Like, that's not going to work here. So we're just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So we're walking out with a crowd about 50 and they're all just yelling, Jesus, Jesus, as this man has me on his shoulders. What I want to say is that have the courage to believe that the gospel's real. Even if it makes you look weird. Even, and I, and I mean weird as in, you do it with love and you treat people with such honor and respect. But it's real. And you have become just like he is. First John says, 
that as he is, so are you in this world. So I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that right now, man, thank you, God, that the gospel has made us free and holy and blameless and we stand without reproach before you. That we actually now together have your mind. We know your heart. You've created us to be a new person. And you want to, we anticipate what you're going to do. And I believe that you're anticipating what we will do. That we would be people who know the promises and know that they're yes and amen in Christ. And that we can actually exercise great confidence and boldness because of our right standing with you. That you anticipate your kids to do the most amazing things because you yourself, Jesus, live in and through them. So I asked um, for this, as Paul said, that the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation to understand the mystery of the gospel, that every one of us in this house of God today would understand the revelation that Jesus Christ lives in us, that we actually are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are your home address. I thank you, God, that, uh, yeah, that sin has no jurisdiction, no dominion in the life of a new covenant believer, that it was dealt with and now we stand in the newness of life. So Father, I ask that you would empower and enable with confidence and boldness in what you purchased for us so that it would be said about us in our day that as he is, so are we in this world. Face to face, in which you touch us and impart yourself to us, and we stand before you without fear. Yeah. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.